0: Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast. We are really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. By sharing stories about the humanity of our sport, we're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates real-life experience from launch to seat at every level. We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks
1: to everyone who listened to our last episode, a conversation with British adaptive rower, Sophie Grant Brown. When she wanted to learn to row, a coach asked her, why would you do this if you're disabled? Her reply, why not? More than a decade later, a drive to find the perfect stroke has brought her two Henley wins and she checked off a bucket list item when she crossed the pond to race the inclusive para mix double at the 2022 head of the Charles. If you missed it or any of our episodes, Listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast, or ask your smart speaker to play Steady State Podcast. This episode is made possible in part by Concept2, Lake Washington Rowing Club, and our newest sponsor, Breakwater Realty in Portland, Maine. Become a sponsor for as little as $65 at SteadyStateNetwork.com slash sponsors.
0: Breakwater Realty Group, located in Portland, Maine, is defined by integrity, service, and expertise. Breakwater challenges you to create a vision for your life and love where you live. Call the team at 207-712-4041 or visit BreakwaterRealtyGroup.com. Breakwater Realty Group, The evolution of your real estate experience starts here. On this episode, we're going behind one of the biggest names in boats
1: to talk with Brent Keek, marketing director for WinTech and King Racing Shells, a self-described Chatty Cathy. In Brent, I think we met our chatting match. He fell in love with rowing when he was just 13 and looking for direction in his life. Rowing helped him get his first job and introduced him to the woman who would become his wife Today, his personal and professional philosophy is all about getting more people in boats and sharing life lessons learned from rowing.
0: Hi
2: Brent. Hey, how's it going? Sorry guys, it's, it's been chaos over here. The phone won't stop ringing. I mean, as you guys know, head of the Charles is like one of those. We're still getting people like, "Hey, do you have any boats available?" I'm like, uh, "We have a hundred and eight rentals. Um, it's a little nuts." I mean, last year was our biggest year at 55 rentals. So I'm like, "Oh my god!"
1: So uh, let me let me ask you this: like, yeah. I, I from the West Coast perspective, we just power through. We bring boats, right? Because we've got trailers coming. And, and it was a really sort of an exception to borrow a boat where you went. And then you always got one from whatever boathouse you had a friend that worked with the boathouse and you got like the shittiest boat in the lot. You got the heaviest boat. You got the like learner seashell from Pocock, you know, whatever. And, and so when did renting boats from people like you start? Like, was that, has that always been there?
2: Yeah, I think it became one of those things. I think it started probably when companies were trying to demo like their boats. And so it was Mm -hmm. an opportunity for a team who's never been in that boat or brand to be like, Hey, we're traveling. We don't want to ship our boats out uh, to this regatta, wherever it is. Can we just rent boats and just have a little bit of ease of mind of the logistics of derigging, loading a trailer, sending it out. We have some teams that literally they just rent boats from us everywhere like we we've dealt with, you know, Chinook, uh, Leslie at, and, and now her, um, at endeavor, endeavor. rowing Alliance. Yeah. So, um, and, and so we were able to take care of crews in Henley in England, masters, mm-hmm. Henley, master worlds, Hooch San Diego crew classic. So even Sarasota for youth nationals, I mean, we probably have sometimes two trailers of boats for teams that, you know, it's the national championship and they rather, rent a new boat sometimes that's better than what they have at home so right
1: or they only have like an eight coming like eight kit ki- like really the expense of you know trailering well, from
2: yeah and, and as you guys know the west coast is pretty good actually i was just on a call from a, a team renting a boat from the west coast from california and it's like there's only like and i forget the other guy but there's obviously dupont ac dupont like Everyone knows him. He, he's a big trailer driver for the, uh, for the West Coast. But there's only like one or two big trailers from the mm-hmm. West Coast unless you're doing it on your own. And a lot of times the cost of trailing your own boats from the West Coast to the Charles, it's just not, it, it, you might as well rent because it's cheaper. And yeah. logistically not having to worry about falls. And so we try to make sure it's a nice experience from uh, beginning to end.
1: I will say though there there's something about that morning you're just packing it up, putting little like notes in it, you know, and it goes on the trailer. And then when you get there and you're like, "There's our boat!" Like it's I like you just that. are so like, "There's our boat," you know. I remember seeing it at um, it a CRI's parking lot one time on on Thursday morning, and I was like, "Oh, there's our
0: there's our four, you know. Well. But thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad we got off on a a fun start like that. Well, it sounds like you're crazy busy with your giant live spreadsheet. And so thank you for kind of wedging us in there because we're just like a couple of ladies that wanted to put together an eight for the Charles and it's really come together. And that eight just killed it ahead of the Cuyahoga last weekend. So we're really excited to get into one of your boats, at the Charles. Yeah, and just basically thanks for squeezing us in there. We yeah. really appreciate yeah. it.
2: Yeah, oh, of and course. Were you guys at Cuyahoga?
1: No, uh, Rachel's oh. gonna drive the boat at the Charles, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna plug in at three seat um, as a representative from the West Coast, but it's primarily folks from the Greater Columbus oh, Row and GCRA. Yep, um, yep. But like I told you, it's gonna be um, this in, this whole inclusive message, trans yep. trans ally. Uh, queer, queer ally, kind of a boat. Uh, not that it's not not that it's the first queer boat to go down the Charles, but it's definitely going to have this message of inclusion, and and we'll be in that director's challenge. So we really appreciate.
2: No, that. no, I, we're very excited to help and take care of. So
1: Rachel's going to drive the boat, um, and it's going to be really fun. What's going to be your sixth time down the Charles?
0: This is going to be my <clears> sixth <throat> time down the Charles. Um, mm-hmm. You know what, Tara? I'm getting a little bit nervous about what's up i'm getting a little bit nervous about having you in the boat like, are you serious i am yeah, in so your boat I'm, gonna, like, I'm gonna be coxing you and you're like i love coxswain <laughs> right i'm like what if i'm not good enough <laughs> so britt
1: we always talk about like the things coxswains should never say and i am confident that rachel will say none of those things including <laughs> including i know you're tired Yeah, you know
2: oh, like yeah. that's you're the almost worst. there yet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I think or halfway, like, halfway, just to like piss you off, Tara, I'm, I'm going to be like, Tara, I know you're tired, <laughs> but can you please? I'll
1: be like, <laughs> yeah, or I had a coxie the other day that said literally 10 more and you're done. And it was 17. Thank yeah. you very
0: much. I'm yeah, like,
2: <laughs> It's one of those things. Have you guys ever been to the head of the Ohio in Pittsburgh? Yes. Uh-huh. So it's a great race. Just nothing but bridges, but it's a straight yes. line right so you're in the city you got these beautiful bridges and i was in a four and we had a cox and we had to borrow for this open men's four and it was a high school kid from the local team so like oh he knows the waterway and my buddy sat stroke is from the area and we're easily winning which is great but then all of a sudden uh we come through one of the bridges and he's like that's it guys last 500 and our stroke looks over he goes we're like two thousand meters away from that. No, uh-huh. and then he kept trying to say, "All right, guys, start paddling." And we're like, "We're not there yet. Yeah. Like, what Where are you going?" Like yeah. he he heard the you know the the horn or whatever, and it was from a crew from the previous race that was you know thousand meters ahead of us. Coxin's calling things a little early is always. That, that yeah,
0: I did that my first year at the Charles Tara. I think I told you this story. What? My very my very first year on the Charles. Well, I thought I thought I'd done my research and I thought that I had my notes, but uh every mile there's a yellow triangle buoy. Somebody told me that there was one with a mile to go, but they didn't tell me that there was one a mile in. So we got to a yellow triangle buoy. And you thought it was the and mile. And I was like, super, like bring it up. Last <laughs> one, like whatever. And then we came to the next yellow triangle buoy, and I was like, oh so sorry it was oh no no (laughs) don't don't say sorry just just proceed just keep Um,
1: going
2: they probably had their best piece
1: yeah I don't
0: remember it was terrible and I learned my lesson and have never done that again
1: I'm I'm close to begging Rachel to go with me to see Yaz's uh (gasps) seminar that she does at the um CRI Boathouse on Saturday morning she's so
2: intense. Very structured. I love Yaz. Actually, Yaz is coxing one of our boats. I believe she's coxing the Wisconsin Alumni uh, mm-hmm. Women's Day.
1: Oh, the Excellent. Wisco is—is is, uh, Chris going to be in that boat uh, from Alaska?
2: Yeah. Thorstenus.
1: Thorsness. I will have to look
2: at the. I, she did text me uh, the people that were in the boat, and I—I've decided I'm like. I don't yeah.
1: Well, she's that. a Wisco. She's a Badger.
2: You don't know
0: the 800 rowers that are going to be in your hundred boats? Uh, (laughs) Just us, Rachel, (laughs) just us. We're like up here. I mean,
2: people from Australia, England, Germany, France, we have the Denmark national team. Um, My mind is kind of like, is this going to work? No, it it is. We're we're making, we have systems and procedures to make it really smooth. Like when you check in, like, oh, we're here for our event. Oh, here are your shoes. They go in the boat. Here's the seats they go in and make it really simple.
0: I love that last year at, um, masters nationals, I've got to say, being able to pick the shoes was a game changer. You know, this is why you do it. And that's why you have that system in place. I mean, as a small rower, I hear this all the time from other small rowers that were always forced to wear shoes that are like men's 13. And I know that that's not great, but I've been doing it for so long that I put up with it, but getting in your boat (laughs) last year and having a women's size, whatever it was, it was like. I was locked in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What was like bouncing around all crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's get started. Um, So Rachel, do you want to go with RFQA? I do. I like how you, what you called it too, RFQA. So here's the thing that we do every episode to help our listeners get to know our guests is we put them in the hot seat for a round of quick questions we call rapid fire. Are you ready?
2: Oh, I'm ready. Love it. Excellent. I, by the way, I love your is, that mic there. It looks like so professional. And like, are, are you uh, are you in the fashion industry? Like, what is going on behind you? By yeah. the way, it looks I, like,
0: yeah. Excuse the mess back there, but yes, I founded Rose Source, okay. and it started as a blog. And now I design and sell T-shirts. I have a I have a heat press, and uh, some of that yeah. other stuff is I do um, some of my own personal art back there.
2: I've been getting a fashion in... background. That's why I saw, I saw that. I'm like, I know what's going on back here. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay.
1: First Let's
2: question. Go.
0: All right. Port or starboard? Both. Bow seat or stroke seat?
2: Both. Is meaning been... like what I prefer or where I usually sit? Prefer. 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 Um, bow. Are you tall? I'm three. Hmm. Uh, I was, yeah, but the eight, I sat and I sat seven seat for a long time. And then they moved me to bow because I was, I, I I know you can't tell, but I actually used to be a lightweight rower.
1: Hmm. I was
2: a tall, skinny, lightweight. So I think that's what I'm used to. If I was an eight now, I'd probably want to sit like seven or five.
1: Um, sprint race or head race.
2: Ooh, um, I would probably say sprint. I do love Unis- the fall though.
0: Yeah. I mean fall especially in New England gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. All right, unisuit or tank and trow? Unisuit. Barefoot or shoes on the erg? Barefoot. Calories watts or splits
2: on the erg? <laughs> Calories watts or splits. Uh it depends on the workout, steady state, watts, uh, everything else split. And actually, right now I have my erg right behind me uh, outside on the front porch. It's an RP3. I don't even have the screen on there. So I, I, I just erg to time.
1: <laughs> uh, best place to row?
2: I mean, it is fall and I am thinking about the Charles. I do love uh, the head of the Charles, but actually, one of my favorite places of rows where I rode in high school. Uh, the Rappahannock, I grew uh, down in Christchurch. So I would say the, uh, the what's, what do they call it? The Northern Neck.
0: It's actually really beautiful down there. I know that a little bit because uh, I used to do swim and bike duathlons. So I have wow. swam in the Rappahannock a few times.
2: Right, yeah. yeah, yeah pretty, it's good, good pretty good
0: current, actually. Yes, Yeah.
2: <laughs> Usually you stick to the creek mostly, but yeah, yeah. You can, some days you could go on the Rappahannock.
0: Okay, uh, coffee before or after a row?
2: Before and after.
0: So, Brent, what's going on in your rowing week
2: this week? My rowing week, like personally rowing or like business rowing,
0: whatever you want to tell us about. Uh, it
2: could be all of it, all the above. So, um, you know, as as you ladies know, like getting ready for head of the Charles and fall season, I feel like I need to get myself in shape. I also have two small kids, uh, and so I'm kind of going with that classic dad bod. Uh, I, I, it's like you have a kid all of a sudden, and I don't know if I just put on like sympathy weight or something, but like my wife's like, what's going on over there? I'm like, um, I don't know. So I've been <laughs> urging to get myself back in shape. Uh, and I'm just usually doing about 20 to 40 minutes of steady state, you know, feet out rowing, it's my favorite thing to do. Um, and then I do have some goals to actually race this year. Um, probably the head of the hooch in the single. Uh, I'm going to pencil that in, but it kind of depends on how busy I am with rentals. And then on the work side, we just had a shipment come in yesterday. So the guys at the shop are prepping about 12 to 13 boats to go out tonight. That will make their way to the Midwest, uh, all the way to Oklahoma City, down to Dallas and then back. And then on Monday, we have another shipment coming in that has boats going northeast, south and west coast. Remind
0: me where you're located?
2: We are in uh, Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And we're actually, uh, we're having a moving sale that we just finished because we're moving to a new location, kind of a little closer uh, to New Haven.
1: Okay. So we're going to like wind the clock back and we're wondering what was going on for you when you learned to row in the first place?
2: Oh, so that's a great question. I was... I think about 13 years old, Um, my dad just passed away. My dad was everything to me and I kind of needed some time, right? I uh, was sitting at home and I was watching TV and on ESPN of all channels was, you know, rowing. It was like, you know, one of those like, it's like ESPN, the Ocho, right? It's like this small little clip of rowing on ESPN. And it was this German double. And I just remember thinking to myself, I'm German. I like the water. I want to try that. And funny enough, I grew up in old town, Alexandria, and there's so much rowing in the DC area, but like, it never really shined on me that I should try this sport. You know, TC Williams was literally down the street for me. And I told my parents, uh, my, my mom and my stepdad, I was like, I want to, I want to row. I want to go to boarding school. I need to get away, you know, mental health. And I found Christchurch, a small little boarding school, Southern Virginia had a rowing program. And I went to boarding school to row, never had tried it. And um, here I have been rowing ever since.
0: Let <laughs> just keyed in on this thing. And you're like, that's what I want to do. And I'm willing to like pick up and go to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm re- right across the river from Old Town. I'm in D.C. I'm on Capitol Hill, and I've been here oh. for over 20 years. So yes. my whole rowing career, my whole rowing life has been centered right here on the Anacostia River, the little redheaded stepchild of the Potomac.
2: Oh, you may or may not know this, but I actually used to be the head women's coach at Bishop Ireton. So Anacostia is, I, I got love there.
0: When were I was- you there?
2: Eric Gurkey and I were the head coaches for Bishop Ireton. Um, my last year was 2012. I think first year was 2010. I was living in Annapolis at the time. And uh, my buddy asked me to come up for practice to, to like help out his varsity girls. And it literally was one day in launch, I was like, okay. And then at the end of the practice, he's like, yeah, you're the new women's coach. Uh, and uh, Ryan Gibson was his name, great guy. I worked for him uh and then he left and eric came in as the head coach and then i worked with eric uh, gerkey for about two years but um no capital and you know um obviously gonzaga is also out of there patrick i worked with him a little bit with athletes without limits yeah so uh yeah it's a great great family over there on anacostia it is our own little bubble you know he got narnia up the way
0: yep for our listeners narnia is this little stretch well, it's a stretch, but it's very yeah. narrow and shallow that heads uh, north up into Maryland and only our sculling boats go up there. Although I have seen some high schoolers take eights in there, but
2: I might have been one of those coaches yeah. that, took, you know, you, you had to do it at the right time for the sure. level, yeah. right, because as you know, that railroad bridge could be a little too high. Yeah. Um, yeah, all your way up to Bladensburg. But yeah, it's a little well slice of heaven, though, when it is nice
0: it is so we definitely so- must have crossed paths uh there at the boathouse i've been rowing out of, of akba since 2001 and Ooh. when you were involved in 2010 2012 i had just come off of an injury and rejoined uh, dc strokes yeah. who i've been rowing and coaching with ever since so we've got a little bit of history a uh, shared history here in
2: dc yeah, That's cool. so you were there at their original boathouse as yes. well, right? Yes. That, that it was a cool building that they knocked down.
0: Yeah, so- the city claimed eminent domain on uh, this beautiful brick structure that we used as a boathouse for years. But prior to that, before mm-hmm. us moving in as a boathouse, it was um, like basically the city kept like tractors and things there. And then the city came in, claimed it, and had knocked it down to build a new bridge. So I can't complain. We have a new bridge in the city, but the boathouse is no longer. And now we are in a uh, pseudo temporary white tent bubble, yeah. and it's been twelve years. So that's a whole other discussion.
2: It goes by so quick.
0: Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna wind back. I, I know. So we started talking about when you learned to row. Uh, you're yep. thirteen, and you go off to school and you're committed. You're committed to this thing. Do you remember that first season of learning to row?
2: I do. Uh, And actually I still talk to my first coach uh, quite frequently. Uh, Tim O'Keefe is his name. Uh, Traditionally, most boarding schools, uh, you are required to do a sport or an activity each season and rowing at the time it was only a one season sport. There wasn't this like fall rowing, winter training and summer rowing. It was just spring season. That's it. That's what you got. And so that first year, I was so excited just because, right, I chose to go to the school to row and I still didn't even know what it was about. The coach at the time at the beginning of the year was like, oh, just introduce yourself to the ERG. But uh, I remember stepping into the boat the first time and I learned to row in a single. Um, and I would have never thought that learning to row in a single, you know, this naive kid, that that was going to be so important to the rest of my career, not only as an athlete, but as a coach, um, it shaped me because I just thought, oh, this is how everyone learns to row, right? Everyone skulls first, right? And that's what I knew. And we didn't have eights. Um, we were a very small program, uh, boys and girls, our top boat was a four, and then we had a quad, a double and then singles and that was it. And so I raced all boats all every weekend. I raced four different boats, the quad, the four, the double, and the single. And, And I think that really helped kind of shape me into who I am. But I think those, that first day I was just like hooked and I think That first stroke or that first time that boat glides, you're just like, this is cool. I just did that, right? There isn't some engine moving this. I actually just did that. And so just wanting more of it.
1: Yeah, I know I've said that to my learn to row people, like you did that, you made that. You see that puddle, you made that. You made that boat move. It didn't move without you doing that. I wanna know when you were having to row with other people and, or getting to (laughs) row with other people, however you look at it, and being in sync did you have a preference or what, what is so special about each of those? Cause it sounds like the single really resonated with you. I,
2: I think the single resonated with me because um, I, I, especially at that age, you know, any 13, 14 year old kid, I wanted to be the best. Um, and so I think the single allowed me to really kind of, you know, it's you versus that other boat. And so like, it was just very obvious that result And I think I love the fact that, you know, in practice, I, you know, I was able to make sure that I stayed on top of myself when I got into a bigger boat, when I got into our four. So our senior four was the, our top boat. And I was uh, fortunate enough to make that boat. um, It was coming together as a unit. And I think um, for such a small team as Christchurch, I think we were lucky. The fact that didn't have a lot of what I would say, like some teams I do see, right? Drama. It was really like, oh, you're the first four. You're the second four. That's it. I really love both boats, but for different reasons. Mm. Um, I think the, the single is a little bit more on me looking in on myself and pushing myself and testing my own mental and physical strengths where the, a, a four or a quad is, it almost actually not say makes it easier because it, I'm never I never want to let anyone else down in my boat. And I think that's what kind of those bigger boats are about. It's like you kind of soak in that glory together and that's something truly special versus, Oh, I just did this on my own. And I think sometimes I feel bad for the single scholar because it's like, Oh, like no one really looks to them. It's like, Oh, they won the single day. Oh, they work really hard. It's like, well, yeah, they work hard, but they also work hard in a group. Maybe there's other singles that they train with. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, we oh. actually talked with um, Aisha Rafae a couple of years ago, and she was the first Olympic rower from Singapore. And uh, she was really just, it was all by herself. She did not have team support. She had a coach and she really struggled with that. And she today is really open and honest about that. Whole training situation and not having the support that she really needed, being very lonely, and kind of having to deal with coming uh out of the Olympics and not really having a team even to talk to about what she'd just done there. Yeah. So uh yeah, I've never been a single scholar, so I've always been a team part of that team atmosphere and that we all feed off of right. The energy of our other teammates. And um, that's a huge part of the sport for so many people and folks who are single scholars, man. It's It's intense.
1: intense. Yeah. I think I can count on both hands. The times I've been in a single, including the times I've raised a single and uh, it's not my, it's not my jam. I I miss my people. I miss the challenge of the synchronicity and challenge of uh, yeah. can we make it work? Can we make it? Can we make this work? Can we make this next stroke work? Can we can we yeah. all do the pause right when we're yeah. supposed to? Like I love that game.
2: To your point, like our sport is so uh, you know, it's a sociable sport, right? Especially regattas, they're fun, they're outside. Sometimes you'll see Masters Nationals, you know, someone's in a single, they come, they rooftop, they're single, they they're they're on an island on their own, they do their thing and they go. And it's like while they're, you know, not taking away from any of their, you know, ability or credit for their, their success, it, it's, it's just them. Um, and obviously, hopefully, they're representing a club and a, a bigger team. But the fun part about the, the team atmosphere of an eight or a four is uh, y- you win, you lose, you d- you're doing it together. And you, you kind of grow as, um, you know, as a family. And I, I've always looked at rowing, even internally for us as a company, we try to stay very much that true to that as a family. It's not like our employees and our guys in the shop. It's not like, oh, they're not just guys that work in the shop for us. Like We know about their lives, like what's going on. Our, our director of the warehouse, John, just had a, you know, a daughter just a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and being able to share stories with him about my personal experiences, it just it's kind of the same thing with the boat. You're not just in a boat with like seven other people and you're like, oh... Uh, How was practice today? No, you 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 grow together, which I think actually helps make you faster in the long term because then there's more trust, right?
0: Steady State Podcast is made possible with listener support. Today, we're sending a big thank you to our newest Patreon crew members, Stephanie M and ZS. If you want to join our lineup, find out about our Patreon support levels and benefits at patreon.com/steadystatenetwork. Do you remember rowing with wooden oars or making blades? Concept Two brings over 45 years of innovation to the sport of rowing. Their newest Comp blade is a smaller size blade that feels lightweight, efficient, and stable. Unlock speed with a Comp blade, available in both sweep and skull. Find out more at concept2.com slash comp.
1: And for folks out West, Lake Washington Rowing Club is full steam ahead organizing the 43rd Head of the Lake Regatta. Set to take place in Seattle on Sunday, November 6, 2022. It's the last big head race of the season. LWRC hopes to
0: see you there. For more information, visit headofthelake.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. Sign up for our e newsletter and become a patron at steadystatenetwork.com.
1: In two, we're back with Brent Keek. That's one, two. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a lesson uh, that um, I, I talk a lot about Learn to Row and that aspect of it where you take eight people who are CEOs of their own lives on an everyday basis, they're CEOs of their family, their business, their life, uh, their dog, whatever. And you put them in a situation where they have to trust that everyone is doing their best and everyone is there for the right reasons. And then you have to hope that they're interested in trying to make it work together. And it, it's such a, a moment. I wonder what it's like for um, Chinook or Endeavor. They just come together and they bubble up and they like, it's, chain it's all together and they, you they know?
2: go. Well, with Chinook, I mean, we've worked with Chinook for years and and most recently also with Endeavor. And I think, um, you know, not to go off on a tangent here, but about that whole kind of, you know, club of like nowhere but everywhere type of thing. Um, it's, It's unique and kind of cool because, right, you have people from all over the country That maybe have their own home club, but maybe they want to go to a different regatta that their home club isn't going. So now they have a chance to compete with this different group of people. And I think it's, you kind of need to come in it as like, this is business because you don't have that time right away to get to know each other very quickly. But I think the longer you're part of it, the more those relationships form. And then you see the success within the program.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know certainly with Chinook now being around for several years, a lot of these folks may not practice together, but certainly they're racing together. So if you, I think if you stack, you know, season over season, people are getting to know each other at regattas. And then I know, um, earlier this year, I was lucky enough to go out to, uh, Tempe to participate in an endeavor racing camp. And it didn't dawn on me until I showed up the first morning that I was one of like three people there that had not been to one of their camps before so I think that's another piece of it they're not just racing together but they are going and having camps together yes. and getting to know each other it was a really super intensive like three days with this group of women it was pretty awesome um and then people were asking me if I was looking to join Endeavor and I was like oh, I hadn't thought about that either like I just came, right, right. I just went to camp to learn some things
2: yeah Leslie <laughs> so, great
0: yeah. So
1: Brent, it sounds like we, we've heard the, about you coaching juniors, which is always fun because you were, you're a junior yourself. I started also when I was 13 and I've never been a juniors coach, but I could see the appeal of like wanting to bring uh, the kids up. You've also coached a little bit of masters mm-hmm. uh, with Rock Creek Rowing Club. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Rock Creek coached the women for Rock Creek in DC. So so as you know, I was on both sides of the Potomac and Anacostia of D.C. So uh, in the afternoons, I was coaching Bishop Ireton. Uh, and then in the morning, the uh, early morning, 5 a.m., Rock Creek Women. It was kind of funny because I was in my early 20s when I was coaching these women. And I'm like, and it's the D.C. area, right? And it, it's these just powerful women of D.C. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, Uh, Why are they going to be listening to me? You know, one of the ladies in the boat would like basically really high up with the FAA. I had a woman that was like a lead scientist at the Institute for Infectious Diseases, a lady that was high up at CNN. And I'm just like thinking to myself, wow, these women like run this town. Like they just, (laughs) they have great jobs. They're super smart. And then here I am, this like 20 something kid uh, trying to teach them, you know, to, to row. No surprise, we all know with women's rowing and how long it's been, and you know, just sports in general for women, it's um, has come a long way. And so, I actually had, fortunately, some of the women in my boat actually did row in college. Susan uh, Milton, she was actually stroke of my age. She rowed at Radcliffe, but she was probably one of like three women that actually knew what rowing was or ever did it. So a lot of the women. Uh, They didn't get to play sports in college. It wasn't allowed or wasn't offered. Jill, she was like my powerhouse girl. I, I love this lady. She was so strong, just such a gifted athlete. And just like, God, I wish you were given that opportunity to do this in college because you would have done so well. It was a great group of women. I think my last year we got tenth at the head of the Charles and the eight, the women masters eight. Uh, so it was a it was a big deal. But I, I learned a lot, right? From you know, as uh, coaching masters and juniors is two different worlds. Being young, coaching masters, there's this you know, as I said, this feeling of like, are they actually going to listen to me? Um, and so I kind of had to change how I coached to make sure that it was the right way to coach that group.
1: Yeah, very smart. We have a very young coach and sometimes i wish that he would take more risks and really insert himself more, but i wonder if if that's where his fear <laughs> uh, sort of lies is like these are these older people who could be my grandparents, you know, <laughs> some of them and um, i think that's a pretty typical situation in most boathouses though. They get the 19-year-old who's home for the summer to teach learn to row to the adults and, you know, goes yeah. from there. But I can tell from the way you're talking about it, you love rowing. And I think, yes, I think the memorabilia wall behind you and, and what's cool about that is that you have the experience of loving rowing as a rower, and then you translated it into loving rowing as a coach, but you're standing with somebody in a coffee shop and someone says to you, I was thinking about rowing. Why should I do it? What would you say to them?
2: I'd say let's grab a seat because as you could tell from this conversation already, I'm a little bit of a chatty Cathy, but, um, I think I'm probably really good at selling our sport to people because I think of what it's done for my life. And I mean, my first job out of college I got because of rowing because the guy interviewing me was literally a Princeton alum. And I was like, Oh, my parents live at Princeton. He goes, Oh, I rode there. I'm like, Oh, I know rowing. And then the next conversation for 45 minutes was rowing. Um, I met my wife through rowing. When I moved out to Ohio, I, I had my own company at the time, but I need something to do in the middle of the day. And I was like, I need to start coaching again. So I started coaching a local club and that's where I met my wife. And now I'm, you know, a co-owner of, uh, you know, Wintech and King Racing. So it's, you know, it, it's so much of my life, but I give it all back to that 13 year old kid who picked up an oar and started rowing. I mean, I've grown so many relationships from this sport and I think we all have. It's the only sport that in my mind that you can continue doing forever. I mean, when I was coaching that master's team, Marilyn, she was the most fit master I've ever coached. And she was in her eighties. She sat bowing my eight. I mean, I was intimidated by her because she had like 0% body fat. She was just so strong and she's Rowing in your eighties, I'm like, this is amazing. I think there's so many life lessons too um, that our sport does. I'm going to give credit to Eric Erkey on this. When we were at Ireton together, we used to uh, have like a parent meeting, and Eric put together this uh, list uh, for the parents, not for the kids. You know, it was column A, list of schools, you know, one through twenty. Column B, list of schools, one through twenty, and it was. You know, a simple exercise, I want you to highlight the you know, the schools that are on that are on both lists and like you see people looking around and, and you, you know 19 out of 20 or 20 out of 20 depending on the year and we'd say alright column A is Princeton review or Forbes top 20 schools of the year. Column B, top 20 rowing programs of that last year and the correlation of rowing and education to parents was just like boom and. and I think for for parents to see that it almost is is like well I should totally get my kid into this sport, um, but to that casual, you know maybe adult that you see at a coffee shop going back to your example, I, I would just you know probably go down the rabbit hole of like well do you like the water you know there's nothing better than being out in the water it's almost like therapy right and I think with rowing being able to just like step aside and be outside and be one with nature and be maybe even one with yourself, just like in your own mind. It's like, it's a complete release uh, to kind of shut off the mind. And I, I, I love that.
0: I was just talking to um, a couple of a couple of my rowers last night. So I'm currently coaching an evening um, suite program, a master's program. And I was really tired at the end of the day. And I just kept telling myself, get to the boathouse, get in your launch, and you're gonna have this wonderful sunset cruise down the Anacostia tonight, right? And once I was yeah. in that launch, I was like, "This is, this is heaven. This is exactly what I needed at the end of my day." I would have preferred to be in the boat rowing, but uh, <laughs> our second second best is an uh, <coughs> afternoon sunset cruise, definitely. Oh, yeah.
1: totally. And we we row it at, at six o'clock in the morning here, and it's you know sunrise over Mount Rainier and. Oh. You know, we're in Quartermaster Harbor here on Vashon Island and, you know, the seals are waking yeah. up and the herons and the eagles, you know, it's just ridiculous. And the water has been like glass lately. You can't make it's, that
2: up though, right? No, it's, you, you it, can't. It's, like, it's It literally is, um, it, it's like poetry. And I, I mean, I'm not trying to sound corny at all. For people that don't experience it, and I think that's probably where I'd go down to. Like, you need to try it. You yeah. need to try it because... Um, I I think if people try it, they'll find out how much they love it.
0: You had mentioned before about like lessons learned or lessons that can be learned and how they're different between let's say juniors, athletes and masters athletes. So just a top of mind, like when you were (coughs) coaching Bishop Ireton, what sort of lesson were you hoping that your kids might walk away with?
2: You know, life lessons. I always, I always actually make this very clear. I'm a very transparent coach because obviously, seat racing and all the stuff, people want to know where they stack up. And I'm a data heavy coach. Like data doesn't lie, especially if you record a lot of it. Um, but some of the lessons of, you know, when you're in a boat, especially at Ireton, we had eights. Mostly was our top boat, and you know, so it's nine people coming together, and there are, you know. There are times I would say, listen, you're not all going to be best friends and that's okay. No one said you have to be friends, but when you grab the boat off the rack and you're walking down to the dock, like you are now a unit and like, you need to work together as a team. And so I think that that's the biggest lesson. I think that comes out of it at that level um, is understanding that you need to work together. Otherwise you won't achieve. Your fastest kid on the team. It's not about them. It's not, it, and I always say you're only as fast as your slowest boat. Meaning like if I had three varsity eights back then, and I'd say to the girls that my top eight, I'd be like, we're only as fast as the the C boat, you know, ABC. I said, so they push the B boat, the B boat pushes the A boat. And that that's kind of how I've always, you know, talked about training and and, and pushing with my team and knowing that it almost would kind of teach those girls in those top boats to almost support and help push those girls up because right you know no one likes no one likes being in the bottom boat um but there there is uh, in our sport there is hierarchy right you know there's only nine seats you can't put everyone in the top boat and so there's got to be you know a a a hierarchy there but allowing people teaching them the fact that like listen like no matter what boat you're in you are part of this team, this family, and you are helping push everyone. So when that top boat has a great race, maybe you're not in that boat, but you help that boat get there. You are a part of that success, and I think that 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 is a life lesson to know that you know you don't need to have uh, the trophy, the medal, the the, the recognition um, because everyone is a part of it.
0: Yeah, and I think you can look at it from the other uh, other end of the spectrum as well. It's like those top boat rowers are influencing and supporting the folks that are learning and working their way up.
2: I, I took over a program in, in Ohio and um, I, I, was the, I was the head novice coach at one, one year and we went undefeated. Like my boys won everything. It was great. Uh, I had a great group of, of guys. And then I became the new varsity women's coach. And there was the first day uh, of introduction one of the girls was like, oh, we're gonna win this year. I'm like, oh, 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 Like. Don't give me credit here. That's nice. Uh, I appreciate that. But like, understand we have a lot, you know, that the the team didn't, wasn't really doing so well back then. Uh, They they weren't even making the the grand final at Midwest. Uh, And I said, goal one is just to make the grand final, but like, understand you're not going to start winning all of a sudden, but you are going to be part of that legacy of building the program in the right direction. And if you can understand that what you're doing now is part of that legacy. Like that's going to be great for those, like you said, those younger girls as they're coming up, they're going to look up to those girls. Like I want to achieve and, and, and make those girls proud.
1: I mean, the whole experience of being in team rowing, it's just, that's what it's all about for me. It's just, you, you ride or die, you ride yeah. or die together, you know, and, and I've <clears throat> had such meaningful team experiences, um, both where I got a lot of feedback and also where I got to contribute, you know a lot. And I think one of the lessons I love from rowing is uh, know your wake and having the ability to empathize and have an empathetic and a, a sort of a 360 head on a swivel view of the world. Um, I think when you take that off the water, you create compassionate kids. you create considerate kids, you create kids who are looking out for. Um, the weakest kid or the one who needs the boost
2: up that day.
1: So would you say that that's carried forward all the way through in your philosophy
2: around rowing
1: and and the company as well?
2: Yeah, I I think it has. I think it's one of those things that, you know, as a company, you know, there's several boat manufacturers out there, right? Everyone makes a nice boat, you know? And and I think at the end of the day, I, I, I tell people like, if they don't go with us, That's okay. Like, I'm just happy we're getting more people in the water. Right. Because at the end of the day, we need more people in the water for our sport to grow and there's room for everyone. So uh, yeah, I I definitely very much take that, uh, all the way through my entire career and, and what I do now.
1: I love that you're so passionate about rowing. And you know, the reason that Rachel and I started this podcast was because we had found someone else who could talk about rowing all day. Yeah. And the reason we wanted to talk to you was because A, we know you and we're gonna keep working with you on this project for the head of the Charles, but also our listeners are the everyday rower, not primarily, they're just the everyday person who took Learn to row 10 years ago and just hanging in there and having a good time. And, you know, someone hornswoggled them into becoming club president, you know, and they, you know, or whatever, like- <laughs> <laughs> just use their uh, they, they were schnookered into becoming a, a on the board you know they're just kind of in yeah. that in that thing where they're like oh I'm in charge of bananas at the regatta you know those guys and um, and all the way up to elite rowers um, but there's an interest of in hearing from coxswains from coaches and one thing we hadn't really talked to was uh, boat makers And I think that our listeners really want to see the whole perspective, especially appreciating the fact that you were a rower. I think there's always some sort of stink when you see someone who's in like the rowing industry and they've never rowed. Like, you know, there's a little bit of like- "Hmm, It's
2: kind of like, do you get it? Yeah. Do you
1: really get it? You know, we've had Judy Gear of Concept2 uh, on the show and uh, we love uh, their support of the podcast. So we want to segue, yes,
0: Rachel? into Uh, what would you like to segue into (laughs) well
1: the last the kind of the last thing we wanted to talk about was um one of our favorite things to talk about is partnerships and collaborations and we have noticed since maybe last five years or so there seems to be an uptick with everybody partnering with everybody else and with wintech we've noticed uh this collaboration with rowing blazers uh, you guys did the single that actually benefited nonprofits like mine, Seize the Or Foundation, among others. We know uh, you also have been working with STEM to Stern. And the partnership concept is very in line with rowing, right? Like working yep. together and not take carrying the load all by yourselves. Tell us about that, like how how the partnerships really uh, play a part in the company. Uh, and we'll start there.
2: Yeah. Dave and I are all about partnerships, right? Because I think it's one of those things that you just like rowing, uh, you can do more as a collective and your voice is louder. Um, Jack Carlson, good friend, uh, from rowing blazers. I you know, reached out to him with the idea about doing this, the, the rowing blazer single, like something cool. But we were, I was, you know, thinking it was at a time where I'm like, how can we do something and give back? and and so with the rowing blazers we came up with that really cool design uh and for everyone sold we donated uh learned row single whether it's E 21 or e24 the club kind of got to choose um based off of uh us rowings you know list of you know dei programs and so from that um a, a kind of Carried on to Stem to Stern because I I I got to know Will Bot at Stem to Stern and you know things were just kind of starting there at Stem to Stern and, and actually at the same time I met you guys down at Masters Nationals uh, I believe that was Oak Ridge. Um, Will called me because he was asking me for some marketing help and I said, listen man, like you should come down to Masters Nationals. Yes, uh, I obviously I love junior rowing because I you know I was a junior coach and I was a junior athlete and it's super highly competitive and it's, you know, it's like the future of our sport. You could see the future of collegiate rowing and national team rowing through these kids, but on the master's side, you have the other, the other side of that coin. You have the, the athletes who either a, they've gone through that whole chain all the way to the national team and and Olympics, or you have the adult that picked it up and just so obsessed with the sport and they're new and they want to help grow it. Masters are your gateway to help grow. Because one, you know, juniors row for one to four years in high school, they have no jobs, they have no money. Masters, they're going to row for one, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And they're, you know, this is a part of their life. And they have a little bit more uh, disposable income to help uh, because they have jobs. And so you know, he came down under, uh, under Wintec. Uh, I told him to set up a tent under us because I, I think at the time they didn't even have enough you know, money to do all this stuff that they were trying to grow. And from there, that, that, that's kind of where that, uh, uh, that partnership with U.S. Rowing kind of formed. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we, we've, we've stayed in touch. And then we, um, we, we signed a partnership with Stem the Stern as a boat sponsor. And we, we donated two eights uh, to two programs. Uh, Milwaukee got one. Um, and then so did Tacoma actually. Uh, Yay. And, and, yeah. Dave so
1: Harvey.
2: Was, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's in, in the goal is right to kind of continue to grow this. And, and that's the thing, you know, you bring more attention uh, to it and work together. And that's why partnerships are great. I mean, not to segue too much on this partnership thing, but It's not even a partnership, but just like last week, I had a phone call from a a guy at Detroit Boat Club. He was ordering some racks to keep his boats outside. And I said, well, oh, how many racks do you need? He's like, oh, well, we're losing our boathouse. I said, what? And so obviously, I'm passionate about rowing. I'm a huge history buff. If you don't know, Detroit Boat Club is the oldest rowing club in North America. And having this conversation with him, and I said, listen, I just... I want to help, because I think this is just a tragedy that this beautiful boathouse uh, is gone. They lost it. And uh, so I am kind of met with their board, and, and I'm working with some people on our team, and we're doing a, a story uh, on Detroit Boat Club, because the goal is like we, we need to like get the message out. And I'm, I'm just hoping at least if I can help, you know I don't even know if US Rowing knows that, they're, that, that they basically are out of the boathouse. Um, right. and, that's and news
1: I, to us. Yeah. yeah.
2: So like, it, yeah, this just literally happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I, I mean, it's terrible. I and mean, I, I don't want to speak, you know, too much about it because I don't know all the facts, but I know that there was a sizable amount of money that the, the state or the city is going to fix up this Island and the boathouse got zero mm. uh, because I think it was seen as this like upper class white sport. And they don't even realize that not only do they have a STEM program now, but they kind of had their own um, program before, and they have adaptive, they have veterans, you know, and they have all these programs that are in fear of not being in existence. Um, And so I was like, you know, see what I can do to help. And so um, we, we, we collaborate, we have an article that will come out shortly, and I'm going to try to help post it and get it to the right people. And obviously I, I told them that they, sh- they should get, um, I'm going to introduce them to our video photographer. And I think that that's kind of a way that I want to help tell the story. And, you know, if, if it helps Detroit out, I really hope it does. Uh, I, I think it's one of those things that it would be a tragedy to lose, uh, this, the structure. Um, yeah, they've so been much. around
0: since 1839, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, literally the, the same year that uh, I believe Oxford uh, University Boat Club was founded. Uh, and I, I think just recently did the city just come come in and said, no, you can't be in there. You got to get out.
0: I'm really sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. That. And, I'm exci- and excited to hear that you're stepping in to see maybe how you can help out.
2: And I even said, I you know, I don't know what people think about boat manufacturers, but we are we are a small business, right? You know, we have employees, you know, um, Wintech and King specifically, you know, our margins are thin on, on, on purpose, right? Because Howard's original plan was have a high quality boat, great value that people can afford. So our margins are very thin comparatively. And so you know, we're not really a uh, you know, there's not like just surplus of cash. Like, oh yeah, here, here you go. Like we, we can't do that. But if one thing I can do is help tell the story, right? And get it out there. And so the goal is, you know, we'll see if we can publish the story on Row 2K with Ed and we'll reach out to Chip at Rowing News. And then my, my, my plan for them is to exactly reach out to all the rowing podcasts and, and people in, in the, the media uh, that can also maybe tell this story. I mean, it's just shocking to me. I mean, Ford is right there. It's just, there is money there in in this country. And they've done stories in the past, reaching out to the local news network. But I think it it needs to be a little bit broader. And so that's why I'm trying to help.
0: As it comes together, definitely let us know. We'd love to be able to help spread the word and share the story.
2: And, you know, maybe Rachel, we can add this to our
1: coffee chat to draw some attention to it because, you know, the, the rowing community is strong and very united when it comes to these kinds of things, especially our history and our legacy. We love our That's... our legends and our history.
2: You have so much. I, I have to like go into this because I've gone out to Washington, Seattle, to see the University of Washington, you know, women, and mm-hmm. I got to experience the Husky Open and Windermere. Ooh. And I, I literally have to say there is nothing like it in the world. I mean, it's like Royal Henley and Windermere are like, if, if you see those two, it's, I think it's like, that's it. Like, I mean, yeah, there's, you should
1: try rowing in it. It's, Uh, it's insane. It's like rowing into a stadium.
2: Oh, Yeah. It's so unique and such a beautiful part of history. I was fortunate that while I was there on the docks, at UW to see the mountains in the background you know yeah. i'm like this is rachel's seen
1: it. it rachel's been yeah, to conibear the- we've been there twice
0: uh when she visited uh and she's seen the view and you remember when you, you took me over to conibear and i stood on the dock and i she like, <laughs> <yeah>. I <couldn't laughs> she got emotional it. It? <laughs> it was I- so beautiful i just <laughs> needed to just stand there for a minute
2: I told myself very similar. Like, I stood there in a moment of like silence and I thought to myself, man, why didn't I look at the West Coast to row in college? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. You know, it, it, it's, uh, and I have to say, you know, um, it, it may or may not be public now. I think it, I'm pretty sure it is, but just another piece of why, like, I'm even more drawn to that is we, uh, Wintech and King, we, uh, we built the boats for, the boys in the boat movie
1: oh they're not Pococks? So what? <laughs> that's kind of scandalous i love that but yeah
2: uh, yeah so it, it, so we replicated the uh the boats and uh, they were we shipped them to england and they were filmed there and uh wow yeah it was but being a part of that process right um and, and replicating the those Pococks was, Really, really cool. Um, Wow. I I think it's kind of cool to have that piece of history and um, the boats themselves, the hulls themselves actually are composite, like carbon fiber. The Mm. guts is all wood. Oh, wow. uh, You know, WinTech back in the day, like in construction and things were a little, you know, precarious maybe, right? Uh, (laughs) uh, and, And so I think learning that the guys there that were building boats, they used to build wooden boats. And so when they started doing composites, it just, it was not new to them. So when this project came on, a lot of the guys that used to do woodwork, build boats and wood, they were like, this is going to be so much fun to go back to build. So uh, I'm really excited to see the movie when it comes out, but uh, what a cool piece of history. Once again, I love rowing history and I obviously got the tour the original shell house and uh, and see what's going on there and then uh, upstairs the actual husky clipper is still there which is oh yeah I mean what uh, there's nowhere else in the country where the student athletes have a cafeteria and it's above the shell house I mean everyone in yeah. Washington knows what rowing is and yes that's it's
1: that. a museum I mean that whole boathouse is really a spectacular museum and and it's great to Continue that legacy and then yeah. be putting boats like that out on the water. I, I'd be curious to see who's going to end up with those uh, composite mixed boats.
2: We actually had the stand-ins. Um, so obviously there's actors and then there's, you know, the the stand-ins. We had the stand-ins. They asked and we got it done. They actually put together an eight for Henley and they raced at Henley. And funny wow. enough, the guy, that, the guy that plays Joe Rance, his name in real life is Joe.
1: Did they have a real coxswain? Yeah. I hope so. Like a coxswain who was a coxswain.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They had real like rowers and coxswains. Yes.
1: Yeah. I figured there was probably only like two actors, you know, actually. Oh no,
2: no, no. They have actors that like taught how to row and actually our global marketing director, he's in the UK. He coached the boat.
1: Oh, cool. Well, yeah. we'll have to definitely circle back when that film comes out. We've talked oh, about yeah. like, some behind the scenes, like how it how it was made possible. That's really cool. I know I'm looking forward to it being here in the home of Joe Rance, and I'm actually good friends with his granddaughter, Jen Huffman, who's um beast, powerhouse beast, uh, who actually <laughs> didn't row until she was uh, middle-aged. Uh, she was a gymnast and a gymnastics coach and picked up the single. And then College Club Rowing said, hey, do you want to try sweep? And she's like, okay. And of course, College Club is like completely dominant and a wonderful group of gals. So, so the history is so close to us here. Uh, we were always joking about how Daniel James Brown, who wrote that book, had not actually been in a boat yet when he wrote the book, he hadn't rowed, and then the UW was like, "Ah, uh, yeah, we're taking you out." <laughs> Imagine going, being <laughs> Daniel James Brown and going out with like these six nine, you know, behemoth nineteen-year-olds. <laughs> Be like, "No, no, you got it,
2: you got it, you're there,
0: <laughs> you got it."
2: Surrounded by a bunch of like you know future Olympians or former Olympians. <laughs>
0: So, speaking of, just um, in case you hadn't heard, we just landed an amazing interview. We're going to be talking with Eric Murray today. Today. (laughs) Wow! Nice. Oh my God! Legend. Legend. (laughs) You've been with us longer than we expected, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh
2: no. For for chatting with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, and I uh, can't wait to see you guys in Boston.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah, this has been great. Uh, I've, I've,
0: I've you guys
2: are, I have to say, you guys are fantastic and you guys are so professional. I love it, it's been great. Oh,
0: well, thank you, we appreciate that. You know, we're, we're doing our best over here making things up as we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to see photos of Brent and get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website.
0: Hey Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast.
1: Right. We should tell them about Friday mornings when we get together for Coffee Chat. We talk about rowing, racing, technique, but we also deep dive into things like inclusion and leadership.
0: Yeah, I really look forward to those Friday morning chats with you and our listeners. So we hope that you'll join us Friday mornings at 8 a.m. West, 11 East on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to the conversation.
1: Steady State Podcast is brought to you by me, Tara Morgan. And me, Rachel Friedman. Between us, we have nearly 40 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience, and we run successful rowing-related enterprises.
0: Tara is the founder of Seize the Ore Foundation, which champions inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership.
1: And Rachel is the founder of Row Source, designing unique rowing gear for individuals, clubs, and events
0: you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter at seize the ore and row source study state podcast is a
1: production of study state network this episode was written produced and edited by tara and rachel rachel also manages our website and social media our theme music
0: is by the free harmonic orchestra study state podcast celebrates real life experience from launch to cock seat at every level search the archive at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast dash topics or listen on your favorite podcast app visit
1: steadystatenetwork.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletter
0: in two way enough that's one two way enough